Melbourne AA Steps Weekend 2017. This is Lee talking about Step 2. First up, apologies if the lights are reflecting off my head a bit too much for you. And I look much more prepared than I am. Alright, so I'm Lee and I'm an alcoholic. And at some point, I came to believe that a power greater than myself could restore me to sanity. So, I guess that means I was sane to be restored, and then I wasn't. And then apparently I am again. So hopefully that follows the, uh, the format of what I was like, and what happened, and what I'm like now. So the best place to start, I guess, is right at the start. Um, yeah, 34 and a bit years ago, I popped into the world into <laughs> what I reckon's a, a pretty normal family. Um, you know, I've never really wanted for much. You know, there's always food on the table, always clothes on my back. It's always at school. Um, yeah, family was pretty close. I didn't really talk much on that, that real deep level, but yeah, definitely loved and functional. And yeah, life is good. Pretty, pretty normal guy, apparently. Um, and yeah, I went through, got into high school and was doing all right there. Yeah, wasn't the most popular kid, but yeah, I had plenty of friends and um, maybe not the most confident kid. And, yeah, that was, that was pretty normal. My first sort of real experience with alcohol was bartending my cousin's 21st when I was about 14. And all these mates, you know, they'd come up to the bar and I'd pour them a drink and, you know, it was a, you know, gave me something to do for the night with all these people that I didn't know. I lost count of how many are like, sneaking one behind the bar, you know, having a few sneaky ones yourself, mate. And I had no interest. These guys are just getting hammered. And I'm really not all that interested in, in having a drink. And my friends that you know, had been drinking at that younger age, you know, I had no, no part in that, that little clique or that part of the world. And so that was my relationship with alcohol. It was, yeah, it's all right, well, whatever, I'll deal with that later. And it was only a couple of years later that you know, that was the case. Um, you know, the first few times I was drinking was out with, you know, those, those kids who had the older brothers and sisters uh, that could actually get their hands on it. And, you know, we'd drink occasionally, but not very often, and I'd drink sort of what I could, but it, it didn't really seem to be out of control or abnormal compared to how everyone else was drinking. And that was, that was where it kicked off. Fairly seemingly normal. Uh, got into university, which is, yeah, again, doing all right. And that was good. They'd sometimes have free beer if you signed up at the start of the year for five bucks. <laughs> you get a few barbecues, you go out and you have lunch, sneak in a few beers, go to a lecture, come back, barbecue's still going, have a couple more beers, maybe have a snooze in the afternoon lecture. And, you know, there was a, a guy that we went to uni with who, who didn't drink. So he'd always drive on those days. That was fantastic. Just lift home. And, yeah, it was good. I was also working at a bottle shop, 
in the evenings as well. So I got myself a sweet little staff discount. Uh, and then I moved into behind the bar and yeah, that was, that was a bit of fun too. Um, yeah, sort of knock off at 3am sometimes and go and have a few drinks uh, while the bar was closed and then wander into bed at some ridiculous hour of the morning. And again, there was nothing seemed abnormal about the way I was drinking. Yeah, sometimes I'd drink a little more than people. Sometimes I'd want to keep going, but yeah, I'd sort of get the message that all right, the, the party's over, and then you know, maybe it was time to go to bed. Um, and I mentioned before, yeah, I wasn't wasn't the most confident kid, but alcohol gave me those effects that that David went through last night, that everyone gets. That, you know, sort of just relaxed a bit and had that little more risk taking, that little more confidence to to go and talk to some people. Um, yeah, and, and alcohol for me was associated with with celebrations and, and fun times. Even if it was just a little party or it was a birthday or something significant. Um, you know, it was it was there to be enjoyed, and and I was enjoying it. And sometimes maybe I didn't need so much of a big reason. Maybe it was just a yeah, it was a Friday afternoon, and we were knocking off work or whatever it was, and. Yeah, it's time for a beer. That's just how the world works. You know, we've earned this. Time to, you know, wind down and, and relax. Or maybe it's just a particularly stressful day. And I, you know, I might just have a couple of beers and you know, just, just calm myself down. Because a lot of people do that. They'll have one or two glasses of wine or something. And, yeah, they've calmed down. They've dealt with their day and they move on. Um, and then I got out of uni. And I started working, and you know, I got a I got a job that involved some travel, uh, you know, a lot of long hours as well, and you know, I was I was pretty happy, you know, done pretty well here, and you know, when I travel, get the corporate card, so dinners dinners are paid for, and drinks are paid for, and the mini bar is paid for, and that meant that you know I might go out and have a few drinks more often during the week, just to you know, get that, that reward for you know, having worked hard during the day or just to, to de-stress after the day or maybe have a couple when I got back to the hotel room because you know, they were there and you know, just, just still felt a little uneasy. Maybe I should just, just have a couple of beers by myself, but you know, it doesn't matter. I'm travelling. It's, it's fine. And so that's, that's sort of definitely where the, the drinking in solitude, in my memory, really started. Um, you know, it had happened before on occasion, but this was, this was becoming more frequent and it was, it was fine. It's fine. And so, yeah, I, like I said, I'd, I'd got that confidence to maybe talk to some people and I'd met a lovely young lady and... Yeah, we'd had a relationship for you know, sort of five or six years and towards the end there she suggested that maybe I didn't need to drink as much as I did. Jeez, it's maybe a bit extreme. Like I know you don't drink a lot, but you know, there's, there's nothing wrong with how much I drink. I think the words that she said were to the effect of you don't have to have a drink every time you're thirsty. Wow, cut deep. 
get rid of you. <laughs> it, it was down the track, and maybe it was a bit related, but yeah. And yeah, that one, that one definitely sticks out in my mind, that my drinking was affecting other people. People that cared about me, and people that I cared about. But I didn't care enough about that to really change my behaviour. And I don't want to jump down to step four where I go back and go, oh, maybe I was a bit selfish and self-centred and maybe not the greatest person in some of that relationship where I didn't really care that that was the feedback that I was getting. I was actually hurting people by the way I was drinking. Um, so then I'd, I'd been living in a share house at that time and that was great because we could just go out and we could drink midweek. We had uh, cheerful Tuesdays and thirsty Thursdays. And why not? Most of them were uni students. We'd go down to the bars and had a great time. And then I moved out by myself. Which meant when I was drinking at home, I was generally drinking by myself. And again, it was those reasons of, you know, I'd had a stressful day, a stressful week. But, you know, I still enjoyed the effect that I was getting. That relaxation, that, you know, a bit of having a bit of fun, that happiness still came through. And I could just sit there and get drunk in my lounge room and watch TV or play video games. And, you know, I could, you know, just feeling a bit fancy. You know, I'm living in a nice area. I can buy the, the sort of fancy bottles. You know, the, you know, don't have to go for the, the cheapest one and get the ones that are 60, 70, 80% alcohol because, yeah, I'm pretty tough. Like, look at me. And that was, that was my new normal. Um, I met my wife during that time and her family. And the, the intro I got to, to her parents was, as long as you have a job, tick. Good handshake, tick. And you drink beer, tick. Done. I'm in. <laughs> and they're big drinkers, so I fit right in. Um, what I can see now is they're just big drinkers and when it's time to stop they stop whereas I just wanted to keep going um, we've had many sort of family holidays where you know, we're away and everyone else goes to bed and I'm the one who's still up drinking or I'm the one going to get the drinks out of the shed and managing to drink an extra stubby while I'm getting all the drinks out of the fridge and then just throw that one in the empties and bring out my, my second one and, and not seeing anything wrong with that, that I was secretly having that extra bit because I, I really needed it, apparently. Um, so during that time, I uh, went to my first counsellor about my drinking problem and just thinking that you know there was some sort of underlying unhappiness or some stress or, or something different about me and the, and the way I was thinking that was making me, making me drink the way that I was and trying to deal with that. Um, yeah, and, and we did have some, some stressful times. Um, you know, we were living in her parents' house while we were trying to save some money and then you know, everything changed. And we went on a big holiday overseas, got our own place, work was looking up. You know, life was all right and things got better. I said, 
I had a, had a change of circumstance and my drinking, I managed to yeah, improve it. Um, and it wasn't, yeah, it wasn't always that way. Um, yeah, sometimes I'd, I'd get more drunk than I had set out to or get drunk by myself or not in the right situation. Um, but there were enough good times and good times were good enough in between that it was tolerable. And again, from step one last night, we go through that. You know, I had a set of skills and I was using that to, to build up a future for my wife and me and whatever comes next. And, yeah, I was, I was generally a normal guy. And that was okay. That Okay, maybe Lee gets a bit too drunk a bit too often, but overall, he's pretty good. And then I ended up unemployed. And it wasn't through drinking, it was through just being cocky and, and unwilling to seek help when I needed it. You know, I screwed something up and instead of reaching out to ask for help to fix it, I tried to fix it all myself and I made it worse. And so that meant I ended up you know, unemployed for a little while. And that was a real loss of identity for me. That you know, stereotypical, the, the man is the provider and I need to have a job to need to be important in society. And, and that was ripped away from under me and, and I had this loss of self. And, oh, what am I doing? And I also had a lot of free time, which meant I could drink maybe a bit more often. And I was working night shift once I did get a job to fill in the time, which, you know, you've got to have a few drinks if you're going to sleep during the day because the sun's up and, you know, you really got to knock yourself out to be able to get through it. And I went through and after that I got another job, which is great, but it didn't fix everything. And that's when I went to another counsellor and he suggested maybe I try and take a few months off drinking. And that was my first attempt to stop drinking. And when I say my first attempt to stop drinking, clearly it wasn't the last, which meant it didn't work. Uh, I went to my first AA meeting, and this is almost four years ago, and I went in essentially with the wrong attitude. Uh, I went in thinking I was better than those people, and I went in looking for the wrong hope. I'm looking for the hope sign down the front. I, I was hoping that I didn't belong there, that I wasn't a real alcoholic. Hoping against hope that I wasn't a real alcoholic. Um, Then I was getting treated for depression and anxiety and the first day that I got my depression meds, I decided, yeah, I probably should wash this down with about six or eight beers. No control. (laughs) Um, Yeah, and it went downhill from there. Uh, I was drinking more often thinking more on my own and what we talk about here the, the secrecy was kicking in I was denying that I'd even had a drink and as long as I could get away with that didn't count um, ended up going to live with my parents for a while because my wife couldn't deal with me and you know that was an opportunity to, to turn things around and I took that as an opportunity to keep drinking the way that I wanted because my parents didn't know all my tricks all my little ways of hiding what I had and where I had it and yeah basically threw that back in their face a bit um, and I came back weaseled my way back into home and, and lasted there for a little while and then I was in a psych hospital uh, 
for the insanity. <laughs> Basically, <laughs> I couldn't I couldn't get things under control, and I went in for a different insanity, and now I realise it's the insanity that I'm going to pick up a drink, even though I know it's going to go to shit. Um, I went in, yeah, I drank in there too, and I came out, and I lasted a few weeks, and then I was back in again, and I was introduced to a counsellor there who's a member of AA, and got classic 12th-stepped, straight out of the book. Take 12 months off. I know you tried three, but try 12. And I couldn't. And he said, all right, well, if it's after, like this after the little time that I did have off, what do you think it's going to be like after 12? And I had to admit that, yeah, maybe stopping completely was the path that I'd have to take. And I tried a lot of different stuff. Um, and later that year, I ended up in a, in a rehab and reintroduced or introduced properly to the steps, the actual program. Not the just not drinking part, because that seemed like hell. <laughs> and someone suggested I come along to a group that actually talked about doing the steps and getting better. And I liked that. I didn't like going to meetings and hearing people go on and on and on about their drinking and how it was, uh, and I can't do that anymore. And I thought, well, that sounds miserable. What am I going to do now? And these guys said, well, we do this stuff that's up on the wall and it, we have a better life now. And I still took a while... And I had to surrender. Um, I got sober for six months. And I picked up a drink again. The insanity returned. Because I wasn't in that fit spiritual condition. And I thought, you know, there was that, that tiny bit of hope that maybe this time will be different. But there was enough in the back of my head that I tried to do it in secret. Which meant I had enough suspicion that it wasn't going to work. I didn't forget about all those bad things that had happened. They were in my mind, in my mind enough that maybe this isn't going to work. And so I had to see it in another way. Um, and, yeah, I was at that turning point, doomed to an alcoholic death or live on a spiritual basis. And I was like, jeez. Oh, and I was going through, looking around at all these people, and they're like, oh, we've gained power. You know, we've gained access because we believe in a higher power. And I thought, all right, and it was explained to me, what is this higher power? And there's things that are bigger than me, like the, the power of the ocean or gravity or my car can take me places that I can't go by myself. And so, yeah, I had to get crushed in that self-imposed crisis and face it, you know, that God is or isn't. I think of it like Schrodinger's God. God is and isn't, and I only know if I look. And so I had to ask, can, am I at least willing to have faith? And I'm like, well, I was willing to have faith that when I drank the next time it was going to work. So maybe I need to draw on that same strength that maybe this could work. And that was enough to make a start. That maybe this program could work that had come through some power greater than me. It didn't have to be all this scary God or this spiritual thing that was so focused on getting me sober it was enough to make a start and I'd done that before and it took my sponsor to point that out to me you know I'd been a part of the scouting movement for years it's a spiritual movement that's based on helping other people I'd done this all my life it wasn't something new I had this and so I look and I go well I'm gonna have to do something because they say that this 
knowledge isn't going to save me. I'm not looking for spiritual knowledge. I'm looking for a spiritual experience. So I'm going to have to do something. And I'm going to have to take a, an attitude towards this higher power concept. And I did. <laughs> Certain simple things that are up on the wall. And I've had that thing that gets spoken about a lot. A revolutionary change in my way of living and thinking. I don't drink anymore. I didn't know I'd taken this second step until I'd taken the third step. And I didn't know I'd taken the third step until I'd taken about the seventh step. Because <laughs> I'm like, am I gonna, I'm going to turn it over. I don't, it wasn't until I'd gone through all that process and I'm like sitting there reflecting, going, shit, I actually did all that. I must have done something. So when I got asked today to share, I said yes straight away. And then I thought, oh, shit. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, you know what you should do? You should pray. Who is this guy? <laughs> and then I had all these delusions. Oh, I'm going to be the best share ever. And you know, this will be the one that's on the internet later that people point their sponsees to. Oh, if you want to get step two, go listen to Lee on the AA Steps Weekend. Pray. What do I need to do? And just carry the message that I'm alcoholic and couldn't manage my own life. That no human power could have cured me or saved me. And that some sort of God could and would if I sought it. And I hope I've been able to do that. Thanks. Information about the annual Melbourne AA Steps Weekend is available from www.stepsweekend.aagroup.org.au Thanks for letting us share.